Hello and welcome to this edition of the 5Ws podcast. Today we're going to look at the first episode of the new Marvel Studios TV series, Loki. Let's hope it's better than Falcon and the Winter Soldier. My name is AJ and this is... Maka. So let's get started. Who? The star of the show, Loki, one of the anti-heroes of the Marvel Universe. Is that the best way to describe him? I, I, I think he's more anti-hero than villain. It, it's a very much, a, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, just that's like a Venom sort of thing, where it's, it's definitely not totally good, but yeah. So anyway, okay. What? The latest Marvel Studios series that is streaming on Disney+. Plus. Where? This episode is mainly set in the city that the TVA has built for itself. What is the TVA? Keep listening. When? This series is sort of set after the events of the first Avengers movie or after the events of the Avengers Endgame. It's all about time and it all depends on your perspective of the events. Cool, eh? Why? Loki is one of the more popular characters of the MCU. If you don't know who he is, think Captain Jack Sparrow in Pirates of the Caribbean in regards to popularity. It could be considered risking overkill to give him his own TV series, but let's see how it goes. Okay, so the events of this TV show start with Loki being arrested at the end of the first Avengers film. This is a good start, but personally, I think they should have begun with the scene showing what the Hulk did to Loki in this film. Would have been a stronger start. Anyway, we see the scene where Loki is apprehended and the Tesseract is taken away with him. Downstairs at the Stark Tower, we see the fight with the Hulk and Ant-Man entering the scene from Avengers Endgame. A distraction gives Loki the chance to grab the Tesseract and teleport himself away, disrupting the timeline that has always been established. You see, that's the part that confused me because I, I, at the start, I could tell it was um, the first Avengers movie. Then all of a sudden Ant-Man appears and I forgot that he did that in Endgame. And I'm like, what the fuck's going on here? Yeah. <laughs> so, so with these two movies overlapping <laughs> and overlapping with the TV series and we're supposed to get it, it's, it's fairly complex. We're supposed to get our head around it. I don't mind, but you do have to think. Okay. As usual with Marvel, everything goes back to the Avengers. Fortunately, we don't stay locked in these films for too long, which is a good thing. Just, re- just a reminder for those who have forgotten, I guess 2012 was a long time ago now. Loki's escape doesn't last for long. He is zapped into the Gobi Desert in Mongolia and he barely gets time to start intimidating the locals when a mysterious portal opens and a group of armored warriors appear in front of Loki. Their leader, Hunter B-15, is quick to apprehend Loki while babbling something about his crimes against the sacred timeline. Loki, like the audience, is obviously confused. Clearly, Loki needs to watch more Quantum Leap and Doctor Who because <laughs> I wasn't so slow in understanding what's going on. Hunter delivers Loki to the Time Variance Authority, TVA, an organization that clearly does what the Time Lords used to do in Doctor Who before they were wiped out and then unwiped out in the 50th anniversary special. Isn't time cool? <laughs> The TVA debuted in Thor 372 back in 1986. As a timer criminal, or variant as they're known, 
Loki is processed by the TVA system, stripped of his fine leather robes or whatever. And when I say stripped, I mean his clothes are disintegrated from his body by lasers. And then he is dropped into a room where he has to verify every word he has ever said. I thought this part was really funny, but I won't spoil it for you. As well as being scanned to confirm that he isn't a robot. Another very funny sequence. I, I just thought that here's every word you said and just the way they, they got him to shut up uh, was was just done really, yeah, really. I loved that. But yeah, I've, I, I laughed out loud as well. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> and that, that, that's the thing. And as I say here, I'd like to say that the scripting in this episode is amazing. Funny without being the sort of forced humor we got in Falcon and Bucky. Genuine laugh out loud stuff here, which is nice. Agreed? Yeah, yeah I absolutely agree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. proper comedy. Yeah. Yeah. After going through the indignities of being apprehended and stripped of everything he was, Loki then suffers the further indignity of being made to wait in line before he can be judged. While waiting in line, a little infomercial or PSA is played on a TV screen in the waiting room that finally gives us some exposition into what the TVA is about and why Loki has been apprehended. Welcome to the Time Variance Authority. I'm Miss Minutes, and it's my job to catch you up before you stand trial for your crimes. Oh, and it's worth mentioning that Loki doesn't believe everything that is happening to him, which is pretty much his attitude for most of the entire episode. Loki and the audience is given an explanation of the TVA's existence. Basically, it's in an organization that has been created by mysterious celestial beings, the timekeepers. Same celestials as in the internals? Not sure. We'll have to find out. The mission of the TVA is to basically keep small glitches, accidents in the timeline from creating an uncontrollable multiverse that will expand and threaten to destroy the universe as a whole. The animated video is well done and a lot of fun. Maybe you started an uprising or were just late for work. Whatever it was, stepping off your path created a nexus event, which left unchecked could branch off into madness, leading to another multiversal war. A showcase for the great design work and graphics of this show. Everything looks beautiful in a really retro design style sort of way. It, it's it's, I don't know, some people would call it, um, you know, it's a sort of thing, it's it's not steampunk, but it, it has that sort of, everything just looks like it's from the 60s sort of thing. You yeah, know I, 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 I had a, I, I was sort of mentioning it to my wife, um, that it had a very sort of Kubrick 2001 sort of yes. look. Yeah. The sheen and the colours, yeah, I loved it. I absolutely loved the design in, in, in this. But and it's, it's very parallel universe sort of stuff. After the PSA, Loki gets to the front of the line and we get to see what happens to those who don't comply when the prisoner in front of him is disintegrated for failing to follow simple instructions. He refused to get a ticket before getting in line. For the first time, Loki shows fear in, re in regards to his situation. He doesn't want to be disintegrated either. Oh, and all of this happened in the first 12 minutes. Then we are taken back in time to 1549 France. A TVA team attempting to sort out a timeline problem has been murdered which is not what's supposed to happen. A TVA operative in plain clothes, Mobius M. Mobius, is on the scene investigating. The character of Mobius debuted in Fantastic Four 393 back in 1991. He debates what could have happened with some other armored agents and encounters a local kid who indicates that a stained glass image of the devil is the one who killed the agents. Hmm, dude with horns. Wonder who that could be, eh? Did you, did you get the feeling of who it could have been at that point? I did. 
Uh, I was actually thinking um, Morpheus for that, who's like a devil character in the Marvel Universe, which they sort of thought was going to be in WandaVision, but it it makes sense now. Yeah. No, for some reason, you know, maybe it was the horns, but I I did honestly think Loki. And even though it kind of didn't make sense at that point, it was still sort of like, well, you know, yeah, but it makes sense now, yeah. So an interesting interlude, nice to see. Which Wilson is that? Owen or Luke or Owen? Owen. Um, nice to see Owen Wilson not playing a total stoner for once. Um, his dry humor really does suit the mood of this show. I'll be honest, I can't stand him in a lot of things. He bugs the shit out of me sometimes. He, he was he was really well suited for this role and did a good job with it. I thought. Yeah, I'm I'm a bit of a fan from his Wes Anderson stuff. I mean, oh, but okay. I agree. Yeah, the stoner stuff with the what's whatever that model one that he does with. Um, um, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. Not, not a fan of that, but like yeah. the Wes Anderson stuff. Yeah, I'm a fan. Finally, all the processing for Loki is over and he ends up in front of a judge to argue his case. Without his magic powers, he's clearly going to have a tough time defending himself. The judging case is Ravona Lexus Renslayer, introduced in Avengers 23, 1965. Played wonderfully by, okay, I'm going to say this probably wrong. Say it as best you can. Gugu Mabatha Thraw. I first saw her in Doctor Who more than 10 years ago. And she isn't too impressed by his case or his posturing, which doesn't go so well without his magic. He is quickly sentenced to be reset, but Mobius, who has entered the courtroom, intervenes, asking for some time with Loki. Why? Just wait and see. So, yeah, um, the girl playing the judge, like I said, she has been in, she was in Doctor Who years ago. Oh, she's just amazing. She's really, really good. So, was she a companion? I, um, she was a sister of one of the companions. So it was ah, okay. kind cool. of a small part in Doctor Who, but like I said, and she's she's actually done a fair bit of mainstream, mainstream stuff since then, so she's been a fairly successful actress. So just really nice to see her cropping up in this. So, yeah, always interesting to see a situation where a god loses his or her powers. Uh, Star Trek did a, yeah. something very similar to Q in one episode. And this, uh, you know, whoever saw that Q episode obviously was involved with this because, yeah, very similar. Funny since Q is a trickster as well. And, yeah, it's, it's just that sort of thing where, you know, it, it, it seemed to take Loki a little while to realise all these powers are gone, but it's still it was done well. Loki is not happy with what's going on and is still convinced that the events he has been involved in are part of some sort of illusion or trick or something, and he's also trying out how to take control of the situation. Loki is constantly making threats against Mobius and anybody else willing to listen, but nobody seems to seem scared of him. I, I, re- I really like that aspect of it as well. Even, even the office guy's like, eh, whatever, to him. And it's like, yeah. yeah cool. <laughs> Mobius takes Loki to his office and tries to explain what's going on. He tries to engage Loki in a conversation, looking at who he is and what he's trying to do. Motives for this become clearer later. He shows Loki's scenes from his past and his possible future. It includes a scene which shows that Loki is D.B. Cooper, the notorious plane hijacker who was never caught. Mobius wonders why, for such a trickster, Loki is often murderous and destructive in his intentions. He shows Loki visions of the death of his adoptive mother, Frigg, and this upsets him deeply. I love that name, Frig. <laughs> I've had to teach about Frig and the kids. Why do you keep saying Frigs? <laughs> I don't know if that's a correct pronunciation of Frig. Who cares? Um, no, I, think, I think it is. I think it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think we just have to grin and bear it. At least it's not Canute <laughs> or something like that. Well, 
Yeah. All right. This is well-written stuff, trying to break into Loki's character and motivation, something that is fairly alien to the MCU in general. Let's be honest. There's not a lot of introspection, a lot of the characters, and it wouldn't hurt. A lot of emotion from Hiddleston here as he starts to reveal a side of it to his character that hasn't really been seen before. This is needed for the series if Loki is possibly going to take on a more heroic role. Like most heroes, he is deeply flawed, but it is only when we really understand our heroes that we empathise with them. It looks like they're also going to maintain as much of the reluctant hero aspect as well, which is also important. Sorry to go all Joseph Campbell on everybody, but this is key stuff to all mythology. So, yeah, so you need to read more Joseph Campbell. Anyway... (laughs) To break things up a bit, we do get an escape attempt by Loki. This gives a chance to see more of the TVA base and understand some of the basic ways this organization functions. Only when he encounters a drawer filled with infinity stones, does he start to understand the power of the TVA and the work they are doing. Ultimately, Loki gives up trying to escape and starts to surrender himself to what's going on around him. He wants to learn and understand what is going on. The escape stuff in this episode is the only bit that felt a little bit forced to me. Okay, it was time for some action, but it still works fairly well and does give Loki insight into the situation he has found himself in. What do you reckon? Yeah, that, I actually enjoyed. I mean, you, you said it, you're right. It, it it was to break it up a little bit and sort of you know yeah yeah have, have a little bad. bit of a laugh yeah. in, in his attempt. But I did. I love the drawer of um Infinity Stones. That was like oh yeah, and he, and he was like whoa as well. And I was like <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're using those paperweights. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and that that, that 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 was done well because that was the point. We looked at it, it's like where am I? What's going on? Yeah. <laughs> you know, just just realized the <laughs> yeah, the power of where he was. So, but it was done well. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Loki starts to confess to some of his misdeeds in the past and is clear that he isn't always proud of himself or what he has done. I don't enjoy hurting people. I don't enjoy it. I do it because I have to, because I've had to, because it's part of the illusion It's the cruel, elaborate trick conjured by the weak to inspire fear. Sounds a bit like Samuel L. Jackson in Pulp Fiction, but that's okay. Saying this sort of thing is a big step for Loki, and you are left feeling that the TVA has actually made Loki confront his own mortality in spite of being a god. Mobius seems satisfied by what Loki has said and then explains that Loki himself is the variant they are hunting. Could kind of see that coming. I could definitely see that coming. I could see the revelation of the variant being Loki coming. It should make for some interesting situations in the show since they've recruited him sent to essentially deal with himself. But I can see a logic there. It does make sense. So as long as they you know, keep writing this well and play their cards right, there, there's, there's, I think this could work out to be a really good show. To conclude the episode, we get to see the variant in action wiping out another TVA team in 1858 Oklahoma. He kills the team, burning them to death. This show does have a fair degree of mature content, not as kidified as some other Disney Marvel stuff. He steals another reset charge, which we know he has done before. How this version of Loki plans to use these charges, however, is unclear. The ending leaves a lot of questions to be answered, and I really felt like I wanted to see the next episode as soon as possible 
Yeah. New episodes of Loki premiere Wednesdays on Disney Plus. So yeah, I, I thought the characters getting burned to death in that way was actually you know fairly violent for the show. Mm. Um, but whatever, if they're going to be a little bit more mature, I don't mind. Like I said, I, I, I'm sitting there at the end. It's like I want to see the next episode right now, which a lot of these, a lot of the other shows we've been looking at, I haven't had that in impulse. I just it's like yeah, whatever. But no, they they had a really good way to end this. So all right, so just go through some of the notes here. Um, one episode of this was better than six episodes of the Bad Batch. Oh, yeah, easy. <laughs> way the bad batch is going um one thing that i really noted i really enjoyed the music of this show as well great stuff if i notice the soundtrack and if i'm sitting there thinking this sounds really good it makes me happy once again falcon and winter soldier i can't remember any of the freaking soundtrack for that it's just all no, that, not really all that militaristic <laughs> drums marching things other than other than the uh disco dance in madripoor <laughs> oh yeah apart from that yeah the best music in the entire series <clears throat> The closing title sequence was very nice. Oh, all the different elements of loved it, absolutely loved it. It, it, yeah. it sort of, I always like, I remember my mum when I was studying. Um, like, she, I remember, I think they went and saw Seven without me. And, oh, the opening titles, yeah, well, the and the and the closing titles as well. Mum, mum sort of said, You'll love these. <laughs> she just knows I loved opening and closing credits of, of if they were done a certain way. And yeah, yeah this if was they're done a certain way, yeah, yeah. And this, this is fantastic, really well, yeah, just, just showing the functioning of the TVA and that sort of stuff. Yeah, so, yeah very slick and well done production wise. Not very action heavy, but it was written well enough and was funny enough that I could survive. Better than Falcon and Bucky, which promised a lot of action at the start of the series and then generally, unfortunately, failed to deliver. So if this show is a bit talky, I don't mind. If there's funny dialogue, I don't mind. If interesting things go on, I don't mind. But I, I don't think they're trying to promise us too much like other shows do. That's my yeah, opinion. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. It, it was It's a... I don't want to say it's a slow burner, but I am going to say it's a bit of a slow burner. And it was a little yeah. bit like that with WandaVision. It was kind of like, okay, you know, yeah, okay, I'm, I'm in, I'm in, but I want to sort of get that, give me that second episode. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it, I, I don't know if it's the same writers, but it's definitely, um, I, I would say this is a lot more similar to WandaVision than anything near um, Falcon and Bucky. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So um, with this being phase four Marvel, I wonder if this is going to feed into future films. Not so sure, though. It will be interesting to see because that's the other thing. Oh, they're kind of like, this is all phase four stuff. And it's like, well, all the other phases have ended up ultimately interacting with each other. So how is this going to interact? But I, I don't know how it can because, you know, it's, it's not this, unlike once again, Falcon and Winter Soldier, which is looking more and more just like a one-off series. This is supposed to, they're supposed to have a second season of this in development already. Sir, sir, I've got my hand up. I've got my oh, hand up. Sir, oh, sir, sir. <laughs> I think this is going to feed, like it has been said that it's supposed to feed into the films. I, after sort of, I guess, re, re, keep reading your notes and, 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 and the script sort of stuff for this podcast, I actually was under the impression that Loki was going to be going after maybe Kang the Conqueror because he's supposed to be the villain in Ant-Man. And I thought this might spin off with, because Kang uh, the Conqueror is a time-traveling villain or sort of, I guess, okay. like that. that's a way to offshoot for the new Ant-Man movie. I think this is also possible, even though it's Marvel Disney, 
there's the Marvel Sony Spider-Man movie, which is supposed to be multiverses, which is obviously different yeah. timelines. True. Doc Strange is supposed to be, I think, is it something of the multiverse as well? Yeah. As well. So I said, I think Loki might maybe he does fix a timeline where he is chasing him his I guess chasing his tail. Yeah. But maybe there'd be offshoots of this that happen and cause like the Doc Strange, the Spider-Man, the Ant-Man to have time. Like I, I guess stage four is going to be time-based yeah <laughs> which is, i think is cool like, i go you know cool. it's, it's a good way to do it and and you know having yeah ha- having it you, you could basically set it up so that time itself is under threat once once again i've, I've seen it done mm. on shows like doctor who it can be really effective e- even even dc with their multiverse stuff has certainly had you know like with crisis of, of infinite earth so they've, they've certainly had it where no, not not just is our timeline under threat. All timelines are under threat. So yeah, it could be a big broader thing. Yeah, yeah. By revealing who technically the bad guy is right at the start of the variant, saying it's Loki, it could feed into it's like, well, we thought he was the big bad guy, but there's actually somebody else egging him on, or somebody else who's a bigger threat. Yeah, true. Like that. So I think there's a scope. I think there's scope for a lot of this. What I'm going to be interested to see is, you know, that yeah, saying Loki is a variant, saying Loki's doing the wrong thing where where does this loki that they're chasing come in because i think it's going to be i i think the the shock is going to be it's the same loki that we're dealing with now who's done all the tva stuff and he's trying to reject it or something like that you know what i mean since, <laughs> since he was attacking yeah. the tva, that's mean, that's, the TVA. Yeah. yeah i think i think yeah you're right i i think it's just involving time sort of stuff and like i know we had like the stones and then we sort of like the infinity stones um which was you know kind of cool and ultimate power sort of thing yeah then the the inclusion of like you know the heroes going back and and trying to resort time out but now to make it like a major part in in, and hopefully what uh, phase four is is going to be i reckon it's going to be quite enjoyable i mean i mean i know we've been all we wanting you know a big bad of galacticus and and all that sort of stuff but maybe just having um, a time timelines and different variants, and because this might also spin off into the 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 um, announced what if uh, animated series. I, I wouldn't be surprised as well. Yeah, is, is is Kang the big time villain? Is there anybody bigger than him in regards to time or anything off like the, that? Off the top of my head, no. Maybe Apocalypse, but I'm not sure if he's really done time shifting things. But like Kang, Kang is definitely known for you know slipping through the time stream for sure yeah, yeah. okay because i think uh, he started off as a good guy and yeah. became bad or it was the other way around he started off as a bad guy but then came good because he sort of realized oh shit I've, if i've done that then this is gonna, like you know <laughs> this will this will do happen and and like oh no i've got to change that so i've got to stop myself so i've got to stop like i said got to stop myself from doing that in the past so this doesn't happen so that's what i mean that's why it's kind of like i think i had came in my head thinking because of time and there's been a couple of articles on some of the comic book sites that i've gone to have sort of mentioned kang um so that's why i still sort of wasn't sure about it being loki that they're after and also the stained glass in the um, church in france to me look like morpheus because they're they're, there's always been rumors about morpheus being involved because he's he's like the ultimate trickster i mean he, he and loki are kind of similar i mean like the devil yeah I'm not saying he's the, the devil, but like, you know, he always he's up to mischief as well. But he's more from a, a I guess a 
a, a devil sort of side of mischief, but where Loki's more of a god sort of side of mischief. But well, yeah, like they they didn't show the variant's face, did they? I don't think. No, no. So that's why I was thinking, oh, is that Kang? But like, but yeah. saying that, I I've got I probably just had my shows mixed up. Yeah, <laughs> and, yeah. And but yeah, I'm I, I'm definitely looking forward to um, next week's episode. I, I I sort of like wish we had it now more than we have like the Bad Batch. <laughs> Oh, exactly. Probably our next thing that we will review, but like, (laughs) yeah. Well, this is you know they're they're going into territory that even 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 Doctor Who is sometimes reluctant to deal with as a show. You know the the whole you know you know going into timelines and screwing around with events that have you know already fixed in time sort of thing has been you know they've dealt Mm. with it in Doctor Who, but it's like oh this is the big one sort of thing. This is a really big sort of thing to to deal with so as long as they you know follow i think they're going to follow the similar sort of ideas and path with this anyway which is fine but yeah it's going to make it really interesting it's got the potential to make things really confusing as well so they've got to be careful yeah i I think they've gone a good way with this did you know who db cooper was the guy the hijacker dude or no i had i had no idea and then i i spent most of yesterday uh after you sent me the link on uh, wikipedia about him i actually really enjoyed reading about it oh it's a crazy <laughs> fucking story and it drives the americans nuts because mm. they don't know what happened to him they don't know who he was there's only speculation some of the money has been recovered and yeah. and and i i have to agree with the theory more more than likely just crashed and and died in the Everglades, wherever whatever wherever it was, but but he's just always been that sort of thing at the edge of American mythology. Even, even I don't know if you read even the um, Carl McLaughlin's character in Twin Peaks, I think, is a DB Cooper as well. He's oh, certainly Agent Dale Cooper. Cooper. I think yeah, he, I think, yeah no yeah. Dale. He's not yeah. First name yeah. is Dale. Yeah, I, I think that was a bit of a um, fuck you from David Lynch. David Lynch How do we yes. not get that? Yeah, but, no, yeah. <laughs> so, so yeah, there, there's been movies about DB Cooper. There's been documentaries about him, and there's been endless speculation. So for them to chuck it in, it's like, oh fuck it, it was just Loki. It was yeah, no, that that was well yeah. done. That I, that they got a laugh. <laughs> yeah, that, that was really well done. Just just throwing in that little bit of mythology. I, I did see one of the other reviewers saying they could have shown more of that. It's like, yeah, they could have shown more of that, but it would have taken up too much of the episode. That was the other thing as well. Um, nicely paced. Yeah. Um, didn't go for too long. Didn't outstay its welcome. You weren't sitting there going, I know it's meant to be an hour and a half for the first episode, but it's too long sort of thing. No, it's like just just really well done. I, I hope they actually follow the uh, Mandalorian model where it's like episodes are only as long as they need to be. And yeah. there's there's no obvious padding. Looking at other shows here that had obvious padding, <laughs> ratings wise, I'd probably give this a four out of five. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, I don't like to yeah. give five out of five unless it's something truly exceptional. But this is really good. So if if the whole series is good, I might give the whole series a five out of five sort of thing. Mm. But we, we've just really got to see where this goes. Like I say, there's there's still been a trend of stronger first episodes and then fucking it up. But what's this? This is only six episodes, I think, isn't it? I think six or yeah, maybe eight. I'm not, I, 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 yeah, I'm not sure, but like, you know, it's sort of like, can they sort of sort that out in six, but, but let's fingers yeah. crossed they, they can and, and without padding. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure it's six episodes. Cause I think the, um, I think the Stark other one, Bucky six. Yeah. I think it was. Yeah. And one oh. division, one division, I think was seven, but I think they just needed that extra episode to, to, to tie it out. So yeah, okay. yeah, I've got it here. It's six episodes for Loki. So that's a really yeah, cool. good length. It, it, isn't it amazing? After all of these decades, the American shows are finally falling into the um, 
British model of six episodes for a season is freaking awesome. You know what I mean? It, it's, it's, yeah, it's, no, it's, I agree. It, it's just a really, and I can think of so many shows from the past where it's like, let's make a 24 episode season and four episodes will be good and 20 episodes mm. will be absolute dog shit. It's like, finally, we got yeah. into this model where the series are more limited and, you know, they can spend more money on them and focus and, oh, thank God. They finally learned from the Netflix shows where they just yeah. padded the shit out of those. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. You'd the give Netflix it Marvel ones, I should say. The Netflix Marvel ones. Yeah. You'd give it four as well? Yeah, definitely give it four. I, I, maybe a close four and a half, but yeah, I just, yeah, yeah rain it in, rain it in. Yeah, we just got to really see how this series pans out. Please be good. Please be good. Now, I really want this stuff to be good. You know, I know with our other reviews, we get hypercritical and stuff, but I want these shows to be good. I want these shows to be entertaining. Mm. I like to tell people about entertaining stuff. You know, we just don't always get that opportunity and, and it gets frustrating. So thank you everybody for listening. Um, we'll be straight onto this episode as soon as we can. So thank you very much. Catch you next time. Just pause for a second. Yeah. I apologize to you for my long fucking sentences. Because <laughs> <laughs> I've written it in such a way it's like I'm I'm not writing it thinking, oh, somebody has to breathe during this sentence. No. I'm writing fucking, <laughs> just these big long florid fucking sentences, which I do all the fucking time. But, but yeah, I'm, I'm looking and it's like, man, that's about four four or five lines you have to do without taking a breath. That's fucking awesome. So I'm really sorry about that. It's, it's all right, that's cool. Yeah. <laughs>